will be more like Alexa Bliss. I've said this a lot the last few episodes. What does the song at the beginning and the intros have to do with where the subject is going? And usually the answer is nothing. In most cases, it's that that is the case. That it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just music I really like, and the producers and I think are really cool. So it got me to thinking, a lot of things got me to thinking. As everyone well knows, my big, huge obsession with dino with dinos dinosaurs something that's really awesome and really cool well i've noted throughout history that there have been several mass extinctions several extinction level events that have occurred throughout geological and earth history and i've kind of wanted to delve into and talk about what an extinction event is and and the histories of extinction events other than the kt Cretaceous tertiary and that's another question why is it called Cretaceous tertiary if Cretaceous begins with a C so a lot of times what's called the Cretaceous tertiary extinction event is called the KT extinction and you go huh Cretaceous like I just said Cretaceous begins with a C not a K so it's like huh but, you know, I've always wondered that, and I've never really gotten that answer. I've never really gotten that resolved. However, I have wondered what the other extinctions were and what the extinction-level event is classified as. And a lot of this is, like I said, from Wikipedia and the Museums of Natural History, all the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, the ones out here in Seattle, the ones in Washington, D.C., all over the country. I've done a lot of research. And it's it, a lot of this is going to be talking about that. It's very, very interesting. And an extinction event, also known as a ma- mass extinction or biotic crisis. That's funny. A crisis. An extinction level event is definitely a crisis. Is a widespread and rapid decrease in the biodiversity of Earth. I would even argue that it's a... A, a decrease in the in the biodiversity of any world, not just the planet. Such an event is identified by a sharp change in the diversity and abundance of multicellular organisms. It occurs when the rate of extinction increases with respect to the rate of, of, of speciation. The number of major mass extinctions in the last 440 million years are estimated from, a, from as few as five to more than 20. These differences stem from a disagreement as to what constitutes an extinction level event as major and the data uh, distinction level event as major and the data chosen to measure past diversity. What has long been an interest of mine, it's been very, very interesting, and what I touch on a lot in a lot of things that I write, I write a lot about apocalyptic stuff as I mentioned before in previous episodes I write a lot about stuff like that and that stuff is just very very interesting to me post-apocalyptic stuff is very very interesting not in the sense of desolation and the sense of things being at end not in the sense of that but it's just I, I can't really put my finger on why it's extremely interesting like that it just is to me it is and it's a lot of what I when I write a lot of what I explore is things that I don't know 
or things that don't affect me. And I've wondered about them, and I've wondered to I've wondered to try and explore them, try and think them out. And one of the things that doesn't affect me, and what I write, I'll flip it. I'll, I'll flip a subject around and explore it from the other point of view. A lot of what I write is is people being alone or loneliness. I'm not I'm not and I'm not that I'm not alone I'm not lonely at all that's not me but I write about it because I've wondered what it's like I wonder what it would be like to have everything we know and everything we experience in the world we know be turned on its head be flipped completely upside down and for you to walk out one day walk out the house one day and be completely alone in the world have nothing in anyone around you and be totally alone and I wonder, like, how would you handle that? And how would you survive? And if you could, what it would be like? And it's just very interesting to me. So I write a lot about that. And I have a very... I also write about families. I have a very loving and very supportive family. And my friends as well, the producers mentioned. Um, and I've wondered what, it, what it's like to have a family that isn't as supportive as you, as... Kaylee will tell you as she knows uh, I wonder what a lot of that is like and she has a family now that's extremely supportive I mentioned that the wrong way my apologize Kaylee um, but she's a family now that her wife her her daughter her adoptive mother her her mother-in-law brother-in-law sister-in-law all sorts of cool things like that but I wonder what it's like not to have that and how that is and how that is. So I write about that and it's, it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting to me because most diversity in biomass on any planet, specifically Earth, is microbial and thus difficult to measure. Recorded extinction events affect the easily observed biologically complex components of the biosphere rather than the total diversity and abundance of life. Extinction occurs at an uneven rate. Based on the fossil record, the background rate of extinctions on Earth is about two to five. Two to five taxonomic families of marine animals every million years. Marine fossils are most, mostly used to measure extinction rates because of their superior fossil record and, str and stratigraphic range compared to land animals. The Great Oxidation Event, which occurred around 2.45 billion years ago, was probably the first major extinction event since the, since the, Cambrian, since the Cambrian explosion. Five further major mass extinctions have significantly exceeded the background extinction rate. The most recent and arguably best known is what I mentioned earlier, the KT extinction, or what's commonly known in science as the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event, which occurred approximately 66 million years ago. It was a large-scale mass extinction of animal and plant species in a geological short period of time. 
In addition to the five major mass extinctions, there are numerous there are numerous minor ones as well. And the ongoing mass extinction caused by human activity is sometimes called the sixth extinction. Sometimes. I remind you people who are going to go off on a tangent, please don't. But people who go off on a tangent, it's sometimes, keyword, sometimes called the sixth extinction. Mass extinctions seem to be a mainly, a mainly phanerozoic phenomenon. P-H-A-N-E-R-O-Z-O-I-C, Phanerozoic, with extinction rates being low before large complex organisms have arisen. In a landmark paper published, ah, oh, this is a name I know, in, landmark, in a landmark publication published in 1982, Jack Sepkowski, Sepkowski, sorry, I pronounced that too quick, Jack Sepkowski, and David M. Raup identified five mass extinctions. They were originally identified as outliers, outliers to a general trend of decreasing extinction rates during the, during the Phanerozoic. But as more stringent statistics, statistical tests have been applied to the accumulation data, the accumulating data, it has been established that multicellular animal life has experienced five major, many, many, ma five major and many. There's too many M words here. I'm getting all tangled up here. The five has experienced five major and many minor mass extinctions. The big five cannot be so clearly defined, but rather appear to represent the largest of, of a relatively smooth continuum of extinction events. The first one could be considered the Ordovician Silurian extinction event. The end end of the approximately the end of the Ordovician period. Two events occurred that killed off 20% of all families, 50% of all genera and 85% of all species. Together they are ranked by many scientists as the second largest of the five major extinctions in Earth's geological history in terms of percentage of the genera that became extinct. In May 2020, studies suggested the cause of the mass extinction was due to global warming related to volcanism and anoxia and not due, as con not due to, as considered earlier, the cooling and glaciation. The late, the late Devonian extinction. Near the Devonian Carboniferous transition, at the end of the, of the Frasnian age, in the later part of the Devonian period, a prolonged series of extinctions eliminated about 90% of all families, 50% of all genera, and at least 70% of all species. This extinction event lasted perhaps as long as 20 million years and there's evidence for a series of extinction pulses within this period. One of the, one of the, now these, these next two are several of the very popular, very well known mass extinctions. The Permian-Triassic extinction event. At the Permian-Triassic transition, Earth's largest extinction killed 50% of all families, 
83% of all genera and 90 to 96% of all species, which breaks down to roughly 53% of marine families, 84% of marine genera, and 81% of all marine species, and an estimated 70% of land species, including insects. The highly successful marine arthropod, the trilobite, became extinct. The evidence, of, the evidence regarding plants is less clear, but now new taxa become dominant after, an extinction, after the extinction. The great, the, as it's called, has been, has, has been called, the great dying, I know, come with a better name for it. The great dying had an enormous evolutionary significance on land. It ended the primary it ended the primacy of early of early synapsids. The recovery of vertebrates took 30 million years. Wow. The recovery of vertebrates took 30 million years. Whew. But the vacant niches created the opportunity for archosaurs to become ascendant to become ascendant in the seas the percentage of animals that were sessile s-e-s-s-i-l-e dropped from 60 percent to 50. the whole late permian was a difficult time for the for at least marine life even before the great dying again i said i say that there's a lot of things they come up come up with a better name for that one but I don't know why they said it. They said on the on the great dying. Oof. The fourth one is a tri- is the Triassic Jurassic extinction event. At the Triassic Jurassic transition, about 23 percent of all families, fifty eight percent of all genera, twenty percent of marine families, and fifty five percent of marine genera. Also, seventy percent. to 75% of all species became extinct. Most non-dinosaurian archosaurs, most most theropsids, and most of the large amphibians were eliminated, leaving dinosaurs with little terrestrial competition. Non-dinosaurian archosaurs continued to dominate aquatic environments, while non-archosaurian diapsids continued to dominate marine environments the again I'm gonna I'm good with these with these Latin sounding names but this one is tough t-e-m-n-o-s-p-o-n-d-y-l lineage of large amphibians also served until the Cretaceous in Australia and the fifth one is I believe the one that's closest to us or the one we know most a lot about, other than the dinosaur one, is the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction event. At the Cretaceous-Paleogene transition interval, the event formerly called the Cretaceous-Tertiary, see, that's the one that, that, that everyone knows a lot about. The And this is what's funny, see, the event formerly called the Cretaceous-Tertiary, see, Cretaceous is the, is the sea, for the event formerly called Cretaceous Tertiary or the KT extinction event, the KT extinction event or the KT boundary is now officially named the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. See, I've always I've always been taught and I've always known that there are three names for it: the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event, 
the KT boundary and the and the Cretaceous tertiary boundary. Now, in all those examples, every time you say the word Cretaceous, it always begins with a C. But whenever you call it the extinction event or the boundary, it begins with a K. So it's K-T, and I don't get it. It doesn't. It's kind of weird. It just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. It's 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 just, it's bizarre. About seventeen percent of all families, fifty percent of all genera, and seventy-five percent of all species became extinct. In the seas, all the ammonites, pleosaurs, and mosasaurs disappeared, and a percentage of sessile animals, those unable to move about, was reduced to about thirty-three percent. All non-avian dinosaurs became extinct during that time. The boundary event was severe, with a significant amount of, of variability in the rate of extinction between and among different clades. Mammals and birds, the former descended from, from the synapsids, and the latter from theropod dinosaurs, emerged as, as a dominant terrestrial animals. Despite the popularization of those five events, there is no, this I know, there is no definite line separating them from other extinction events. There's no, see, it's not defined, there's no, that's what I mean, there's no definite event. It's, it's kind of foggy, it's kind of weird, and it's, and, and we have to use different methods of calculating an extinction via its impact can lead to other events featuring those top fives that I mentioned. Older fossil records are more difficult to interpret because older fossils are harder to find as they are usually buried at a considerable depth. The dating of, also, uh, of older fossils is also much, much more difficult. Now, a lot of thought is put into the fact that as Michael Creighton and Steven Spielberg and Colin Trevorrow have posed that a prehistoric mosquito bit a dinosaur and like well, most mosquito, mosquitoes we know sucked in the dino blood and that dino blood then the, was in the mosquito being the mosquito became trapped in the amber and the amber fossilized and thus fossilized the mosquito so the thought would be if that if you can tap into that into that amber you can withdraw the blood that's in the mosquito but see what they don't think about is that over time when things have have degraded so have the thing has so has the thing that has been fossilized so you're at a risk for tapping into dna that's unreadable that you can't get it's no use so whether or not it i mean for the for the for the intents of purposes of a novel and sci-fi that could work that you that could give the volume the things that you need but and that's what's weird about it it it's believable, sure, but if you put science into it, it's—I nah, don't know if you can really get that much out of it.
It's also predictive fossil beds are researched in more than unpredictable live more than unpredictable live ones. Therefore, leaving certain periods unresearched, they can they can study one thing and they can research one period throughout geological time and then focus heavily on that. Like when Spielberg and Colin Trevorrow are making the movies, they can study and research one period and in the process of digging deeply into that period, they can leave an entire other period out of it. Which the 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 geological time or the pre the the prehistoric time for Jurassic Park is kind of like a blend of of the Triassic, Jurassic, and other times throughout the Cretaceous and the Paleogene era. So it's kind of it's not defined to one specific area, but it's kind of a blend of all of them. And yeah, I get I understand what Crichton was going for and the other directors were going for. It just it's kind of it it it's not really geologically and paleontologically it's not really accurate but you're trying to tell a story not give a lecture on paleontology so i get it it makes perfect sense and would you really have sat through a movie which was a lecture on paleontology i love paleontology i adore jurassic park jurassic park is my star wars or my star trek and i could say heck no I would have not have I would not have sat through that. I would not have enjoyed that at all. However, it is very interesting, so, and that's why they made those movies the way they did to keep people interested and to tell a better story. And that's why it's so freaking awesome. And prehistoric environmental events can disturb the the deposition process. The preservation of fossils also varies on land. But marine fossils tend to be better preserved than their sought-after land-based counterparts. It has been suggested that the apparent variations in marine biodiversity may actually be an artifact with abundance estimates, abundance estimates directly related to the quantity of rock available for the sampling from different time periods. However, Why can't I say the word statistical? That's what I'm going for, statistical. However, statistical analysis shows that this can only account for 50% of the the observed pattern. And other evidence, such as as fungal spikes, provides reassurances that most widely accepted extinction events are real. A quantification of the rock exposure of the western of Western Europe indicates that many of the minor events for which a biological explanation has been sought are mostly readily explained by sampling bias. Research completed completed by I lost my place. Most research has indicated that the end, the end Capitanian extinction event likely constitutes a, sp- a separate event. <coughs> There's that allergy cough that's been plaguing me. Most research event research has indicated that the end Capitanian extinction event likely constitutes a separate extinction event from the Permian-Triassic extinction. 
If so, it would be larger than many of the big five extinction events. And ev a, there's, a, there's a lot about... One of the good things this interesting discussion is about evolutionary importance. Mass extinctions have sometimes accelerated the evolution of life on Earth. When dominance of a particular, uh, eco a particular ecological niche passes from one group of organisms to another, it is rarely because of a newly dominant group of the newly dominant group is superior to the old, but usually because an extinction event eliminates the old dominant group and makes way for a new one. A process known as adaptive radiation. For example, mammaliforms, almost mam almost mammals, and then, for example, mammaliforms, which were almost mammals, and then mammals, existed throughout the reign of the dinosaurs, but could not compete in the large terrestrial vertebrate niches, which dinosaurs monopolized. So you're seeing there. Like Jurassic Park posed, when humans existing at the same time as dinosaurs, not the humans that we are, but a form of us, existed during the time of dinosaurs. If you think about that, that is really freaking cool. A form of us, an older geological form of us, existed. Mammaliforms. That is unbelievably cool. The end Cretaceous mass extinction removed the non-avian dinosaurs and made it possible for mammals to expand into the large terrestrial vertebrate niches. The dinos themselves had been beneficiaries of a previous mass extinction, the end Triassic, which eliminated most of their chief rivals. Another point of view is the escalation hypothesis, which predicts that specimens in ecological niches with more organism-to-organism -organism conflict will be less likely to survive extinctions because the very traits that keep a species numerous and variable under far fairly st static conditions become a burden once population levels fall among competing organisms during the dynamic of an extinction event. Furthermore, see, lectures kind of like this, <laughs> I apologize everyone. Many groups which survive mass extinctions do not recover in numbers or diversity like they previously had, and many of these groups go into long-term decline, and thus are often referred to as dead clades walking. However, Clades that survive for a considerable period of time after a mass extinction, and which are reduced to only a few species, are likely to have, an experience, have experienced a rebound effect. Darwin, Charlie Darwin, was, was firmly of the opinion that biotic interactions, such as competition for food and space, the struggle for existence, called were considerably greater importance in promoting evolution and extinction than changes in the physical environment. He expressed this in The Origin of the Species, 
Species, he said, are produced and, ex and exter species are produced and exterminated by slowly acting causes, and the most important of all causes of organic change is one which is almost independent of altered physical conditions, namely the mutual relation of organisms to organisms. The import the improvement of one organism entailing the um, the improvement or extinction of the others. One of there's a lot of causes like I said the like you hear about the the KT extinction and the dinosaurs and the asteroid, which is theorized, but makes a lot of sense. There's still debate about the causes of all mass extinctions. In general, large extinctions may result when a biosphere under long-term stress undergoes a short-term shock. An underlying mechanism appears to be present in the correlation of extinction and organization as it relates to diversity. Hugh, huge, or sorry, Hugh, Hugh diversity. That makes a lot of sense in that sentence. High diversity, and here comes the cough. I apologize. <coughs> Hi, I just, I, to, to, to say that I lost my space. See, I took the notes here, and I, when I write them down, I completely lose my space sometimes. There it is. High diversity leads to a persistent increase in extinction rate. Low diversity to a persistent increase in or origination rate. These presumably ecological controlled relationships like, likely amplify smaller, per, smaller perturbations to produce the global effects that, that have been observed. There's a lot that has gone on. There's a lot of things that... They, that they think there's a lot of theories that a lot of people have. Uh, flood basalt events, the asteroid impact that we reserved that we think, that we believe killed dinosaurs and that led to the dinosaur extinction, is has been talked about and has been thought about. Hey, this is what happened, or this is what we think happened. It's it's incredible. It, the thought that goes into it is the thought that goes into it is amazing and. A lot of this thing is to a lot of this thing has been that has been very interesting to me is that once you fall in love with Jurassic Park like like I have, you wonder what what are the histories of these events and what led to one another. One did an asteroid impact actually lead to the KT extinction? We believe it did, but we really don't have any proof of that happening at the time, and we couldn't prove it. Another proof of evidence is that if we look at the fossil record and the and the record in the Earth throughout the and the fossil record in the Earth, record in the Earth throughout the time, we see fossils of things, plants, species, animals, things that existed in abundance in earlier history. And then something happened that these species are completely gone from the fossil record. They they're not they're not anywhere. So, something happened to cause that level of that extinction, that caused them to disappear. And we assume that during back this going back this far in time, that a mass extinction event had occurred. So, it's just this is just extremely interesting and wonderful to talk about and to, and to just concern. 
So it's very, very interesting. So thank you all so much for listening. This has been an amazing topic to get into. So thank you all so much and stick around for a little bit more on the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere? Go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel, N-U-Y-A-W-K, on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the greatest storytelling podcast out there? Want to ride to Hogwarts with Hagrid? Check out Common Room Talk on all the major podcast platforms. Tony tells you a story that will pull you in. You will be impressed and you will love it all the time. Thank you.